This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden and this is The Leader. London relatives of pensioners kidnapped by Hamas in Israel told how their elderly parents were forced from their beds and taken to Gaza as hostages. I shouldn't sit here today. I should have been on my way to Heathrow to pick up my mum, who's coming to celebrate her 75th birthday today with her family here in London. I'm here because of pure evil. I'm here because I need to ask for help to release babies, kids, mothers and old people from their captivity. That's Noam Sagi, whose 75-year-old mother, Ada, along with Sharon Lifshitz's mum and dad, aged 83 and 85, were kidnapped as squads of heavily armed Hamas gunmen launched terror attacks across southern Israel. I'm a British citizen, and I am one of your own. On Saturday morning, Kibbutz Niroz, where I was born, grew up, woke up to a massacre, to a second holocaust. They've been gassed, burned, butchered, slaughtered, killed and kidnapped, mostly young kids and old elderly people. As Israel's war with Hamas escalates and retaliatory rockets pound the Gaza Strip and infrastructures cut off for Palestinians living there, what now for the military strategy and chances of rescuing what's believed to be around 150 Israeli hostages? 17 British nationals, including children, are dead or missing. While at a London press conference on Thursday, it was revealed that a six-month-old baby is among Hamas captives. It comes as British Airways announced suspension of flights to and from Israel because of safety concerns, joining international airlines including Virgin Atlantic, EasyJet and Wizz Air. For in-depth analysis on the hostage crisis, political moves and military strategy of both Israel and Hamas, the Leader podcast is joined by Evening Standard Defence Editor Robert Fox. Robert, what's the Israeli Defence Force's current strategy for Gaza? We're at nearly a week on from the attacks in the settlements round the Gaza Strip, where the Israeli political authorities and the military were caught unaware. What they're trying to do is two things, is to get into Gaza to write down, destroy the Hamas capability and above all its command and to get some 150 to possibly 200 hostages back that were taken over the first 48 hours of the uh, Hamas incursion. To do that, they say they're going to impose a state of very severe siege, cutting off power, water, it seems, and uh, food to uh, Gaza. But it must be said there's nothing new in that, because in living memory, in my living memory, Gaza has been under a state of siege. And what they're planning is a very difficult operation. They've done similar things, but nothing to this degree in the past. In 2008, 09 and 2014, and they didn't try it too often 
afterwards because occupying and staying on the ground where guerrilla or terrorist groups, as you might put it, are buried among the population are impacted. It's very difficult to get out. What's the current situation with the Hamas gunman who broke into Israel? Is there any still on the loose with weapons or ammunition? There's still a query about where they are. They killed a lot of these uh, gunmen who seem to have been almost on a suicide mission. And uh, despite the terror that they wrought, but on unarmed civilians, uh, children and old people, they were not terribly disciplined. And this is what is so cynical about the Hamas command. They wrote this off on a, you know, uh, a fire and forget as it was a suicide mission. But of course, the Israeli intelligence and security organizations like Shin Bet, the internal security, will be trying to make the calculations. They're still trying to find out where everybody is, including the civilians. They're not even clear exactly who is hostage and who has been killed. The list of missing on both sides is really quite a lot. It's rather suspicious, by the way, that both sides overnight have recorded 1,200 dead. That shows to me, from experience, that they haven't a clue. What are some of the huge challenges trying to extract or secure the release of hostages in Gaza? And what will be the specialist IDF squad involved? They will have people from Shin Bet, as I said, uh, the Mossad. But the agents with electronic means is an organization called Military Unit 8200, which is rather a shadowy organization. But they are an elite of an elite. They pick up people graduating from school and university. They go in for service for three to five years. They'll get a PhD at a very high degree and they become part of a caste. They're very, very significant. They do offensive, defensive operations and they're absolutely up at the top of the world league in surveillance. And that's what they've got to do. But uh, this thing with hostages counts two ways. If, would you believe it, uh, Hamas have taken too many, and there's a strong possibility that they have, they become a real problem as to how to handle them. It is not clear, really, the numbers that Hamas have available, able-bodied young men and women, to act as guards, to act to do surveillance, to keep their secrets, to keep their headquarters going, to keep their rocket factories going, to keep their underground networks going. But the real problem with Hamas, as the Israelis are finding and as the rest of the world will find, particularly Mr. Biden's team, is the real strength of Hamas actually lies outside greater Israel and the Gaza Strip. The money, the brains and the big weapon supply. What will be some of the challenges now for Hamas's leadership with so many hostages? It's very difficult. There will be a lot of uh, autonomy, local command, because although he has spoken, uh, not really appeared in public, the commander, Mohammed Daif, has said, you know, this is a mission to destroy Israel. It's uh, destroy or be destroyed. And I think that that shows something of a false perspective to the Palestinians world as a whole. Now, he will not be caring about the operational nuts and bolts and keeping them alive or trading or not with the uh, hostages themselves. They have a political leadership. They have quite an articulated structure. But uh, as I was uh, saying, alas, that the business end is in the Gulf, particularly in Doha. Let's go to the ads. Coming up, why relatively simple weaponry was so deadly for Hamas against Israel, and can this conflict be contained? Why not hit follow? In the meantime, give us a rating. This is the story of the Wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. Robert, were you surprised at the relatively simplistic tech element of the Hamas attack with these drones and grenades knocking out comms and tanks? I'm surprised by not being surprised. Actually, if you follow these things, you don't particularly have to be nerdy about it, but just follow it, follow the paper trails, follow the stuff. It's all over the internet. These very low-tech drones just dropping bits and pieces of ordnance, things like a large hand grenades or big mortar bombs, the thing that goes in the water, have been going on for a long time. By the way, the Ukrainians have been particularly effective at this. But in the war against ISIS, when they were driving ISIS out of parts of um, Iraq, uh, like Mosul, very interesting British observers saw or things that you could get at Asda drones, you know, buy off the shelf, practically Legoland drones, dropping hand grenades when they came in swarms. That's the point. It is very effective against anything flesh and blood moving on the ground. And of course, I think the Israelis undoubtedly were careless because everybody knew where these sensors were. The above ground sensors, particularly in the communication centers in the cordon outside, immediately outside the Gaza Strip in the south, outside Rafa. And that's what they took down so quickly. They took out their ability, not only their eyes, but the ability of the Israelis to communicate to local units. So they couldn't rush in uh, support uh, reserves to help those unfortunate kibbutzim, which ring the eastern side of Gaza. What will be some of the British and US defence planning now? There is a tendency with all this high emotion to exaggerate on all sides, to minimise and exaggerate. We have to be very careful about what we're talking about. That's why I'm worried about when you get on BBC headlines, you know, the USS Gerald R. Ford is steaming to the eastern Mediterranean. Well, what's it going to do? Well, what Biden has said is that from that, you, they may resupply ammunition, for goodness sake, and probably be aircraft and artillery, but mostly aircraft ammunition to the Israeli Air Force. And uh, components that are needed for the surveillance and prevention system, anti-missile rocket system called Iron Dome, which is thought to be one of the most effective in the world. But even their resources can run out. The British do have an intimate link in practical terms because we have a lot of Israeli kit. They are just so much better at surveillance equipment, drone equipment, sensors and things like that. And even if we do have good ones, it takes ages to acquire them because of the uh, bureaucratic institutional incompetence of the way that, uh, that Britain runs its defences now. 
Can this war be contained? Will there be wider regional repercussions? Same old, same old. It will go on. The Arabs talk a lot. The Arab League, the organization of the Islamic Conference, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Look at the desperate conditions in which the UN Relief and Works Agency uh, almost single-handedly ran secular aid in the Gaza Strip. What did the Arabs do for comparatively little? The Egyptians have a direct interest, but then they also have a direct security interest. People are talking a great uh, fight, and unfortunately, the language, because there is a lack of idea, is peculiarly belligerent again. There's a big spike. I was on Arab TV again last night, and it's very interesting how the big fat politicians in the armchairs in Beirut and places like that and the Gulf all have news and views and more or less are exclusive about the Jewish presence in the Middle East as almost the extremists like Islamic Jihad, the ally of Hamas and Hamas. They rhetorically almost take a maximalist position and do so very little. There is a terrible misfortune with all this. Whenever you begin to discuss it on either side, and I've never known the division to be so bad at the moment. It's always a blame game. We are blameless or relatively blameless. And the other side has really committed all these long term crimes. I could not get a single Arab last night to admit that gunmen had committed atrocities in these Israeli settlements. There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.